previously on Lost. We can start with our sort of big season opener where we get to know Dr. Pierre Chang. But who does Dr. Chang run into but our boy Faraday? Faraday comes out with it eventually. Either the island is moving or we are. So there are two phrases that are really important in season five, sort of ironclad rules of how Lost operates. The first one we hear in this episode is whatever happened, happened. You cannot change anything. Alpert treats him, gives him a compass, tells him he is going to have to die to stop this. And stopping this, the record skipping, is going to involve bringing back the Islanders who left. Let's start the Lost Talk with a somber note. I just want to ask, uh, what do each of the Lost characters think about the Russian incursion into Ukraine? Oh, man. Well, obviously, my first thought when I thought about this was obviously the number one character who cares about this is Mikhail. Yeah. And he, he is, of course, a rabid Putinite, all about reforming, you know, the Russian Empire. Does Sawyer even know this is happening? Sawyer, I feel like, could go either way. I mean, are we agreed that Sawyer's probably MAGA? Not in a to-the-hilt way. It basically the many steps back, like, I'd like to see him run the country like a business way. Way, way back, probably a season or two ago, you asked me, like, which, which musical artist is Sawyer, and I said Kid Rock, which is, I believe, that was exactly Kid Rock's quote when asked why he supports Trump. Yeah, well, it's like, would, would Sawyer vote for Trump? I'm not sure Sawyer would vote, you know what I mean? That's a good point. He probably would, po- would post about Trump, but then yeah. forget to vote. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think Sawyer probably blames Joe Brandon for Ukraine. Is anyone among the cast besides, like, Saeed talking about NATO expansion? And it's really <laughs> I, I could see Juliet maybe being a bit of a comrade. Yeah, yeah. Um... Like she's just asking questions, but you know, <laughs> she's she, she at least she at least kind of gets it. Jack's ready to sign up. Yeah, Jack. Jack's going to join the American brigades. <laughs> uh, Kate. Yeah. Kate. Kate thinks it's a false flag. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, <laughs> when I when as soon as you said Kate, I was like, this could be Kate or Evangeline Lilly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's part of it. Well, she 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 made news again this week for her support of the Canadian truckers. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> she is Canadian, so it does kind of make sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I always knew something was off about her. I think Hurley also might quietly be talking about NATO expansion. Oh, he probably doesn't even know what NATO stands for, you know? Yeah, you might be right. All right. He's, he's also blissfully ignorant. As we get into this show, this episode, I just want to mark it, mark it at the start that the Nikki and Paolo episode walked so this one could run. Interesting. I'm so happy about the Froger oh, <laughs> development. Yeah. And again, it's why the Nikki and Paolo episode is foundational because. If not for that, we would not have gotten this Frogert set up. The whole saga of Frogert is incredible because he was a throwaway joke in a pretty much throwaway episode. The Rosen Bernard episode back in season two, 
where Bernard says that Froker's going to help him build the SOS sign. Yeah. And he was put in there just as an inside joke from the writers who said, what if one of the guys on the show was a frozen yogurt tycoon? And then, you know, obviously they, they put him in the, the small appearance in the lost missing piece just to bring him back and have him get fucking obliterated by a flaming arrow. And yeah, it fucking rules. I was so I was so excited to talk about that scene. What I love about this is like Nikki and Paolo had to be put down. Did Arst have any plot function really? Did anything depend on him? Yeah. So the the reason Arst was important to the furthering of the plot is that he was the one who said that they had to launch the raft ASAP because of Typhoon season, which. We then later found out in a lost missing piece was a lie and he just wanted to get off the island. <laughs> yeah. What I love about this, how much time we spend on this Froger gag is it's just a gag. Yep. I love to see them do that much effort for like an extended like red shirt spit. No, you're right. Purely a gag. Arst had a plot function. Nikki and Paolo were their attempt to create more main characters out of the red shirts. Froger was was a hundred percent just we want to shoot somebody. What if we made it this guy who we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. and we made him annoying as shit? Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if to say, like, after season four, like, Lost can and should still be funny. You know, not that yeah. season four never was, but it was like quieter moments uh, at Lost camp. And I think part of that is because it was so compressed. Room. There was so much plot to get through that there was less room for the funny, funny little bits. Yeah. Two, two things I wanted to bring up at the beginning of the episode. The first one is you mentioned, I think two weeks ago, that all of those red shirts got blowed up on the freighter. And we also mentioned that a few weeks before that, a bunch of them got Swiss cheesed by Kimi and friends. And here they take the third and final step to solving their red shirt problem which is just having them get murked by a fucking sea of flaming arrows. And I think that all of the red shirts are now dead or missing. You know, I feel like if that was the case at just at the end of last season, or even after the attack on Locke's camp, I would have believed it. So it's just, I, it's so funny to uh, suddenly have these shots where there are like two dozen people you've never seen before. Yep. So anyway, what a, what a joyful send off to to the red shirt. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then the other point I wanted to make was about the structure of the show, because this episode is nominally Hurley centric, but it's clearly less centric, as it were, than previous uh, seasons were. Yeah. Right. Like. It, the focus is less on Hurley than a Hurley episode in season three was. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I mean, if we don't get flashbacks, like, it doesn't even feel like a Hurley episode proper, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Which is fine. I mean, that's, that's just part of what the show is now. Mm-hmm. And there are some episodes that are more centric. There is a, you know, one thing that I will note that you, I don't know if you noticed this, um, your boy Sawyer has not had a centric episode since like the beginning of season three. Wow. Um, Because he, he had that pretty boring episode at the beginning of season three with the prison. He didn't have any others. And then he had, did not have a a season four one because he didn't have a flash forward because he wasn't off the Island. 
I will say that there is that episode at the end of the, the lock episode in season three where they kill Anthony Cooper in the in the Black Rock isn't lock focused episode, but there's a lot of good Sawyer shit in that. So that sort of feels like almost half a Sawyer episode. Yeah. But yeah, so there is a good there is a really fun Sawyer episode this season that is very Sawyer focused. So that one's one to look forward to. He's a great example of someone who is just like, we know everything we should want to know about his backstory. And yeah. as a as as a lovable uh, side character who uh, still like affects the plot a great deal, uh, he's been great these last couple seasons. He's great on his own, I, I think, but he is also a wonderful complimentary character that like put him with anybody and that guy and that character is better. Like the best yeah. Kate the best Kate scenes are with Sawyer. The best Jack scenes are with Sawyer. Um so with all that being said, let's let's actually introduce the show. This is the Alosophy yeah. Podcast. My name's Ben. That's Spencer. We talk about the show Lost one episode at a time. I've seen it a whole bunch. Spencer's never seen it before. And tonight we're talking about season two five, not season two, thank God. <laughs> season five, episode two, The Lie. Um, I had forgotten that this episode actually aired the same night as the premiere. They had two episodes in one night. Yeah, so we get a little flashback, too, on uh, Penny's boat, which is apparently called The Searcher. And we get Jack sort of explaining why they have to lie. And Hurley from the beginning is uh, not for it. It's You see Jack kind of just extracting a scent from everyone, kind of uh, mm-hmm. browbeating them into following this keep the secret line it does seem like of course a bit of a moot point because like you know hurley says well they believe me if you back me up and it's like probably not (laughs) yeah we've got a doctor who like is clearly unwell uh, an iraqi torturer a random south korean lady who was running away from her husband a literal fugitive from the law and a baby uh, oh, and this and this enormous dude who uh, was in a mental hospital because he had a breakdown and he broke a deck. I mean, it's it's beautiful to imagine like what kind of conspiracy theory contemporary America would spin out of what the Oceanic Six mean. Yeah, that's a good point, right? It would probably be even fucking weirder than uh, a disappearing island and a smoke monster. This is one of those things that seems so incredible to think about how much we talked about this. The whatever the I forget the number, the Malaysian Airlines flight that disappeared. Yeah. There were so many people who were like, could this be lost? You know, is it possible that this is lost in real life? Uh, I mean, I remember very specifically, uh, I think it was I think it was Don Lemon on on CNN being like, is it possible that they've gone through a black hole? What if it was hijacking or terrorism or mechanical failure or pilot error? But what if it was something fully that we don't really understand? A lot of people have been asking about that, about black holes and on and on and on and all of these conspiracy theories. Let's look at this. Uh, Noah says, what else can you think about? Black hole, Bermuda Triangle. And then Deji says, huh, just like the movie Lost. And of course, it's also, they're also referencing the Twilight Zone, which has a very similar plot. That's what people are saying. I know it's preposterous, but it, is it preposterous, you think, Mary? Well, it is a black hole, about, you know, a small black hole would suck in our entire universe, so we know it's not that. Muta Triangle is often weather. 
and uh, Lost is a TV show. So right. I think I always like things for which there's data, history, crunch the numbers. So for me, those aren't there, but I think it's wonderful that the whole world is trying to help with their theories, and I absolutely love the theories. That is one of the best moments of Lost in culture is a plane disappearing in the South Pacific and everyone being like, of course it's Lost. But yeah, we get uh, get a little Lapidus action, which is... Uh you know, we're super grateful for. But then we, it seems like the focus of this little flashback is Hurley saying, you know, Saeed, one day you're going to need me and you're going to need my help and you're not going to get it. Yeah, because he, he, definitely, he, he definitely helps Saeed. He helps Saeed, doesn't seem to hesitate. He's like trying on being dark Hurley for a second and he, yeah. can't, he can't do it, right? He can't, he can't make it work. Hurley is too lovable. He's, he's too nice. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's out of the way. Uh, and then we get to Hurley driving Saeed around. Saeed's passed out. Saeed's passed out and we get a little Anna Lucia. Yeah. Uh, Libby says hi. God yep. damn it. This is certainly an inventive kind of character cameo. I'll give it yeah. that. You know? Yeah. If they can use the mechanism of Hurley's completely fantastical mental health issues to have character cameos, that, that's, that's a pretty fun way of doing it. It's mental health, but it's also, you can also just be like, well, it's also just like the island. But yeah, Libby says hi. That felt like kind of a low blow. Yeah, right? Like, Ghost and Lucia, like, Hurley needs to focus. Don't remind him of the fact that the only girl who ever liked him <laughs> is dead. Yeah. That's not true. Star Starla also liked him. Anna Lucia uh, disappeared uh, back to that West Coast city in the sky where she can uh, put down all of the thugs. Yeah, uh, and, and Lucia went somewhere. Where anybody who talks back to her, she can just fucking shoot in the head. <laughs> but yeah, Hurley, Hurley pops into the convenience store and has that kind of comedic uh, back and forth where he doesn't want the cashier to turn around and see him mm -hmm. on the news. And of course, this is also where he, we get the hilarious sight gag of him buying the I Love Shih Tzu shirt. Does that have any resonance with like another... I think it's just a funny shirt for a fat guy to wear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to live in a world where we can't just appreciate a fat guy in a funny shirt. Oh, 100%. But yeah, Saeed's passed out from tranks. And Ana Lucia says in a little bit of foreshadowing, you know. Do not get arrested, yeah. Yeah, that seems to matter later. And then we uh, pop over to my, like, where are we? How did we get here scene, which is yep. Kate, Kate in a minivan driving around baby hair. Yeah, we started off on the beach searching for yeah. water, and now Kate is driving around a three-year-old Aaron who wasn't even born yet in a minivan in Los Angeles to meet son in, like, a penthouse suite. Motherhood was the reason she could stop her from what happens when a mom has to go on the run. Yeah, I mean, the whole... The whole sort of, like, motherhood element to Kate is pretty clumsily handled. <laughs> like she yeah. doesn't seem to like Aaron very much. <laughs> <laughs> He's high. It's cartoons. He's talking about his choo choo train. Choo 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 tunnel. Uh, she goes to visit Sun. Yeah. Invites her to a hotel. Sun says that she doesn't blame Kate. I feel like maybe the direction was make these lines ambiguous. Make it not clear if you really 
if you really do forgive Kate, make it seem like you have ulterior motives generally. But there's just some very robot robotic lines I keep hearing from her. Like, you did the best you could. You made yeah. a tough decision. Which is actually, I always thought it was very funny that the Korean character who speaks English is played by a woman who is from Korea and is mostly a Korean language actress. Whereas Daniel Day Kim is from Los Angeles. And uh, when he took this role, he hadn't spoken Korean since he was like 16. Had to kind of relearn it. Yeah, I'm imagining Brian K. Vaughn doing a lost what if uh, (laughs) son who doesn't know English. Yep. Uh, Oh, God. And then because it's Brian K. Vaughn, like, there are a bunch of, like, sex scenes that are there to just, like, make it. And they're both trans in a way that doesn't feel like representation, but just, like, weird exploitation. Okay. (laughs) I'm not sure if this is going to make a cut of the show. But okay. I read through I, I read through Saga this last summer, Brian. Came you on, did. So you like, told me that, yeah. Yeah, most recent work. Yeah, listeners may remember that. There's a scene where a trans character is introduced in a women's prison, where one of the main characters, a young girl, the girl walks into the trans woman in the shower, and the trans woman explains like, "This is who I am. I'm both." And oh no! It, it was one of the weirdest scenes in among among many uh, of like graphical space nudity in that book. Anyway, we can get back to Lost. Um, all right, so then we get a little bit of Ben stuff, and we get the hand waving of Jack's addiction <laughs> with Ben flushing his pills down the toilet and Jack just being like, "Oh yeah, I was going to do that anyway." Well, I mean, Jack is clearly lying there. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think we get much more pill talk. I feel like maybe the last bit of it was that when Jack was, later in the episode, uh, trying to save Saeed's life, he's, like, very sweaty. (laughs) That is true. He's going through withdrawals there. But, yeah, uh, Ben is kind of a dick about it. Yeah. Just just flushing, flushing the dude's pills. You could let him have a taper, at least. Yeah, yeah, seriously. This is still Ben Linus uh, palling around with Losties. I wonder how much it seems like we're gearing up for them to kind of be at odds uh, in the present tense action of the show again. Yeah, it's it's definitely sort of uh, pretty ambiguous. Yeah. Then Ben goes to a butcher shop, and this is a very strange scene. <laughs> uh, again, not going to spoil too much to tell you that we never see Jill again. Oh, I didn't, I didn't doubt it. Um, I love seeing one of Ben's moles out in the real world and yeah. like trying to imagine what the ongoing infrastructure is just yep. because do they keep this L.A. butcher shop running all the time? Is it always a front? Is it <laughs> yeah. always butcher shops in each major city? Every every city in, in North America and Europe, Ben has a butcher shop where he can store a body. The funniest line of this for me, uh, she says, Jack, you know, he's just a pillhead. He's not reliable or whatever. Just to kind of denigrate him in a, in a minute. It's almost, it's almost like she's been watching Lost. Yeah. You can imagine like the others are around the water cooler and they've gotten some latest memo about what Jack's up to. And it's like, He's still addicted to pills, and they're like, 
Oh, that fucking loser. Yeah. How does she know this? Um, very funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hurley takes Saeed to his house where his dad is watching Expose. Mm-hmm. Made a big caviar sandwich. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the sandwich scene. That ruled. We get the great uh, Hurley's mom line. Why is there a dead Pakistani on my couch? And then a really nice scene of Hurley telling his mom about the island. And again, sort of like a a classic Hurley uh, as audience stand in, sort of just like going through all these fantastical things that happened in a sort of semi-believing way. Um, and his mom saying she believes him. Uh, I believe, believe Hurley. Yeah, believe, hashtag believe Hurley. <laughs> um, yeah, that was very sweet. That was pretty touching. And, you know, served as a little bit of a recap if you needed one. Yeah. He didn't say press the button to save the world. He said press the button every, you know, so often. I wasn't really clear on why. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Pretty funny. Yeah. I guess we're all not really clear on why unless we unless our season two memory is pretty sharp. Yeah, no, I don't even really remember why. <laughs> Something um, about electromagnetism. Yeah, yeah. Funny scene of uh, Chich Marin uh, sort of slowly pulling past the cops and waving at them while, her, while Saeed is uh, laying down in the back seat. Takes him to Jack, and like you said, Jack's very sweaty. And, you know, another sort of very touching moment. David, Hurley's dad, says, you know, after you help Saeed, leave my son alone. The, the character of David is interesting in The Lost Realm because in a show about bad dads, in some ways, David's among the worst. He just left Hurley <laughs> um, and comes back when Hurley gets rich. But yeah, then he's, he's just mooching. He's making fish egg sandwiches. Just mooching, making fish egg sandwiches. But he's also a sweet guy, and we kind of like him. Bad dads made good. Yep. Then we get Ben Linus showing up to talk to Hurley. And the incredible scene of Hurley running outside and confessing to the police, remembering that Saeed told him to never do what Linus tells him to do. Yeah. The, the great, the line he says is, I killed four people, three people. However many are dead, I killed them. <laughs> yeah, things are not, things are not uh, going Linus's way. This is another moment of Hurley self-actualized, driving the plot, making his own decisions. He loves to yep. see it. And then Linus goes goes to a church and meets an other associated woman. Is she the uh, architect of the British Matrix from the Desmond Flash? Uh, yes, she's the woman who sold Desmond the ring. Uh, Mrs. Hawking is her name. And uh, she reiterates to Linus that he only has 70 hours, and if mm-hmm. he doesn't get everyone... All, all the ducks in a row, so I was getting them back to the island. Uh, God help us all. And they're in a Dharma. They're in a Dharma station. Wait, what? Yeah, you see a Dharma logo on the computer monitor. I thought they were like meeting covertly in a like Catholic church or something. I think you may have thought that because she's wearing a hood and like a robe. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, but no, yeah, she there. There is a. It may be under a church. I'm not actually sure. Um, but she's writing on a chalkboard, and there is a computer that looks similar to the computer from the on-island stations, but there is a Dharma logo on the computer. 70 Hours is the setup for this season. It's, man, the time compression and dilation feels so weird Yeah, in these later seasons. I think uh, 
I think Locke doesn't seem to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> that line uh, that Jack asks earlier in the episode, he's like, Locke is dead, right? Uh, and Linus doesn't answer him. That's right. I feel like the only way Locke is dead dead is if we see his body like moldering. <laughs> Until yeah. I see that, I don't believe it. And it doesn't, sure. it, it seems like the show is signaling that. All right, let's do the on-island stuff, which is much shorter. Rose and Bernard bicker about what to do. Froger tries to yell at them about, uh, you know, what the point of making fire is when it might disappear. Froger's kind of got a point, right? He does have a point. I feel like he's, Froger's not at his best right now, unless he was always like this. He calls Sawyer an infidel. <laughs> Pretty great. Froger has that great line, what does it matter, we'll all be dead by sundown. Faraday comes over and he's at peak Faraday mode, which is just stammering apologies and pausing throughout saying that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and just having like a pained look on his face. Like every, every line delivery with this guy is, it's like a game of mousetrap. Yeah. Like one line just hits the next and you never know when you're going to end up. Mousetrap, a classic Lost reference from back in the, when, when Locke worked at the uh, toy store. Yeah, Lost as well has uh, zany action and crazy contraptions. That's right. Um, <laughs> Daniel takes out a sextant, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. Juliet establishes, does a, does a bit of like rule establishing, which is a very second half of Lost thing where she confirms Okay, we have these things because we had them with us when mm-hmm. we got unstuck in time. Yeah, very, very good point. That the establishment of rules is very important to the last, the last sec- segments of Lost. Yeah, as it sort of very much embraces the sci-fi nature of the show. They were very clear from the beginning that they wanted to establish a set of rules that that Lost would follow, and they mostly stick to them. They definitely, uh, they definitely talk about them enough uh, yeah. to make sure you know them. Yeah, the incredible Froger death scene, the next scene where uh, he, he just re- reaches like full-on tantrum mode. Uh, and of course, he, he dies on the line, we can't even start a fire, and then gets hit by a flaming <laughs> arrow. Yeah, flaming arrows coming out, of, coming out of the trees. It really is like another reemergence of the stranded on an island trope that you might expect. Like, this mm-hmm. is, you know, from a Tintin, like, boys' adventure novel about the yeah. evil, evil aboriginals attacking. But it's kind of cool that in an episode where we're, like, further from the idea of just, like, a marooned on an island show than we've ever been, we still get this sort of callback to that, um, which I think is pretty neat. Yeah, I like it. As they're running from the arrows, there's this very funny moment where... A guy has an arrow in him, and Juliet is piling sand on the, <laughs> on the flame. Yep. Yeah, I feel like a, I feel like the flame is maybe not the worst part about having a, a flaming arrow in you. Got to agree. Uh, but Sawyer pulls him away, her away. Yeah. Three guys in a uniform come up and uh, threaten to cut Juliet's hand off, but uh, they get attacked by Locke. The way he like pops in and says whatever he says. Hey, guys. Yeah. It very is. It, it feels very momentous. It's weird that it's paired 
an episode where we're still not sure if he's dead or alive. Uh, but True. yeah, in the past, he still badass. Do we have any sense for who those military dweebs were who are about to I, cut off Juliet's? I don't think we do. All right. Um. Anything else that uh stuck out to you? Was it made clear how, why Sun thinks Linus is primarily to bring? Uh, or does she just think, like, he was fucking with us constantly, it has to be his fault? I don't know if she knows that he killed Kimi to set off the set off the thing. I don't know. I think it might just be more of a, uh, like, she, she just sort of blames him for everything bad that happened to them. She's never, like, the look at the guy. He's yeah. bulging eyes. Yeah. Um, all right, so next week we have an episode uh, very funnily titled Jughead. Uh, it is a Desmond-focused episode. Um, and yeah, I uh, this one has some fun stuff. Um, a little more... The, the on-island stuff is, is really fun in this one coming out. So, um, uh, that's great. Uh, always love a Desmond episode. 